Roofing Mastery Podcast, episode number 19. Welcome to the Roofing Mastery Podcast. My name is Dylan McCabe, and in every episode, we give you a seat at the table as we interview owners and CEOs and key executives of roofing and general contracting companies so that you can gain key insights to take your own position or company to the next level. And in this episode, I interview the owner of Foothills Roofing and Exteriors. His name's Armando Jaycox, and we're going to get into some of the things they do to differentiate themselves in a very crowded marketplace in Denver, Colorado. We're going to talk about their website right away. When you get to their website, you get kind of impressed by what they say. They definitely differentiate themselves in their core values. We're going to get into that, and those are shown in very clear in a clear way on their website too. The premium products they use and how they use that to win bids over other contractors, and then their warranty. They have a warranty unlike any I've heard of to date. I'm sure there's other guys out there doing it, but these guys really set themselves apart in a, in a competitive market, and they are doing very well. You're going to get a lot out of this. Before that, I want to give a shameless plug to our roofing CEO. Groups and ask you one powerful question Do you have a grip on your business? Do you really feel like you're working on your business or just mired down working in your business daily? Do you have a vision? Do you have a five year plan and a three year plan that's concrete? Do you have the right people in the right seats? Do you have traction? Do you have processes in place that are followed, illustrated, and followed by everybody on your team? And are you keeping score? Do you know how to analyze the data, how to keep score, and really have an organization? that's successful in growth, but also sustainable as well. If you want to learn more about that, you can take our short quiz. Just go to roofingmastery.com. You can answer uh, 20 questions and rate yourself from one to five on each one. And then if you want to learn how our roofing CEO members are taking their companies to the next level, we can schedule a discovery call from there. That's our passion. We are all about bringing owners and leaders together to maximize and sustain their growth. All right, guys. Now to our podcast with uh, interview with Armando Jaycox. All right, as I mentioned, we have a special guest on the show today, Armando Jaycox. He is the president of Foothills Roofing and Exteriors. Armando, thank you for joining the show. My pleasure, Dylan. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and some people may not know, they might know, but you also have a podcast. Yes, sir. I sure do. I've been podcasting since 2018, and I love it. It's one of my favorite things to do. Sometimes I get uh, I get crap from our um, from our team is like he's in the podcast room again. He's in the podcast room again because I can't. I just love podcasting. It's so much fun. Yeah, and I like yours too because your logo actually has a picture of you holding a bundle of shingles up on a roof, and there's a background and everything. It just looks really cool. So. Thanks. Man. Anyway, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to our conversation because you are the owner of a company, a roofing company. Um, you've been in this space for long enough to know some of the challenges and also some of the opportunities, but you've really kind of focused on branding and online marketing and all that stuff. So I'm looking forward to getting that. But before all that, kind of give you a quick background to our listeners so they get to know you a little bit better. Okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, my background is I was born and raised in Las Vegas, Nevada, um, lived in the same house for 21 years, had a single mom, had, um, you know, uh, two older sisters, one younger sister, and, uh, you know, kind of grew up as kind of tough, you know, it's kind of tough with a single mom in, in that situation and, and stuff. And, and so uh, I was able to kind of make it through um, high school, had problems in high school. I was kind of a problem kid. And, um, and then I ended up um, making it to college, though, and kind of getting my life together and, um, and graduated from the University of Arizona. 
And uh, although that wasn't so smooth, um, I ended up developing a very, very severe um, uh, problem with alcohol, actually. And I became a very... um, uh, almost died from drinking too much, um, really. And so I had to get help. I had to go and get, uh, you know, treatment and had to go and get help, go to, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous and had to, you know, they really helped me a lot. And now I've been sober for, uh, um, a little over 18 years. So, um, it's kind of a huge part of my background and my life and something I'm very proud of. That's awesome, man. And I love that you share part of your story. Cause you're right. Like, you know, that part of that story and those challenges and, things that you deal with in a, in a, in a broken home. I mean, that's part of who you are today. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I, feel, I kind of feel bad for my kids because they don't, they, I mean, sometimes they just haven't made, I feel like, you know, I'm sure they're going to have their own share of challenges, but you know, um, adversity really does add to your, um, you know, to, to your talents and it, adversity really helps you, uh, you know, grow as a, as an individual. And I feel like when people don't have adversity. It's that's its own challenge in and of itself, you know? Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, I know. So I grew up in a broken home as well. Uh, was raised by my mother. Have three sisters as well. Oh wow! And um, you know, it's interesting because all that's done for me is I have three daughters now, and all that's wow. done for me is given me a huge passion to just be an awesome dad and an awesome husband because I that's grew really out without cool. a male father figure around, you know, so there's just all these opportunities to have fun, to teach the girls cool things, to teach them how to think. And, you know, in high school, I, you know, I, I was not a uh, example of who to be either. And I went pretty wild and didn't even make it to college until later. Uh, I spent a few years after high school, just being a loser, basically. But um, <laughs> that's you know, really cool. All, yeah, no, yeah, I can well, relate to that. Well, but knowing all that, it's like, when you have kids now, I've got a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a newborn. I, I mean, I remember those days very well. So I want to prep them for, you know, the dark side of life and the light side of life. And so anyways. Yeah, that's really well, cool. That's well, really cool. Well, so tell us about Foothills. You, 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 you've been in the roofing space. How did you start Foothills? And tell me about kind of where you guys are, what's your focus, and, and what you're doing with that. Yeah, so I got into the roofing business in 2011, and I uh, just needed a job. And I randomly bumped into a guy at a yoga studio who owned a roofing company, and he basically recruited me, you know. And um, and he got me with his uh, sales manager, and he um, told me that uh, you know told me that you know it's a great business, and and told me that um, you know I, I could do well and stuff, and I could start that week. And I was hard up for a job. I needed one. I needed to make money quick. And so um, I went ahead and got started and it was literally snowing that week. And I went and knocked doors in the snow and I generated leads, uh, you know, and I didn't have business cards, nothing. And so sometimes I hear guys, you know, who come in with me like, Hey, I need business cards. Or else I can't, you know, I can't work without business cards. I'm like, man, I worked in the snow. I worked with like a yellow pad. I knocked on doors. I wrote my name on the yellow pad. I tore off the page and gave it to them and said, we'll be back next week to inspect your roof when the snow melts. And so, um, that's kind of how I got my start, you know, and I did that. I grinded hard for like two years doing that. And, um, and so, uh, you know, the, the big thing though, is that whole first year I, I really, um, questioned this business a lot. I mean, I was grinding, you know, knocking on doors. It was just awful. I wasn't making the money I was hoping to make. Um, but then I got up, I got in with a, with a different company. Um, uh, the second company I was with really um, supported me a lot and they gave me a bigger 
cut basically. And so um, part of that was because I was bilingual, English and Spanish, and they really um, thought that'd be useful as a project manager. So he's willing to pay me more money. And I just went out and sold a bunch of jobs right away. And by December, I had enough money to take three months off, uh, January, February, March. And I went and had my dream Hawaiian adventure vacation. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was pretty, that was after my first year in roofing. So, yeah. Felt like you won the lottery, huh? Kind of did. Yeah, I kind of did. I mean, when I came back, though, I was like, you know, basically broke and like just selling roofs with a fury, man. I mean, I was like, this business just got me to Hawaii for three months. I'm like, I just went out and knocked on doors with a fury like I'd never seen and ended up uh, doing well again the second year. And um, that was when I met my my wife and we, um, you know, I kind of started to get more serious because I wanted to have a family and and this business is is, is enough for that. You can uh, not more than enough, really. You can, if you work really hard, you can do well enough to to have a family and and make that kind of income. And that's what I did. You know, I worked hard and I ended up um, moving up from a, from project manager to a sales manager to a general manager. And eventually I became a partner in that second company that I was with. Now, what was the time frame there? How many years were you there? I was there for seven years, seven years. So. See, that's, but yeah. that's an awesome story because for some of the guys listening to this, they're thinking, well, I'd love to own a, my own roofing company one day too. And, and you're in Colorado, right? Yes. Yeah. So Colorado and Texas, I mean, we're lucky. We're lucky. We're more, you know, storm catchers than we are storm chasers. And so some people would say, well, I'd love to be the owner of a roofing company in a competitive market like that. But, uh, you know, I'm selling and I'm trying. And, you know, I think the key takeaway from what I just heard you say is, hey, it's a process. I mean, seven Mm -hmm. years is is, that's a few years (laughs) there. And you worked your way up. And I'm sure I'm sure there are times where you thought, man, I'd love to be like, that dude that just walked in, he looks pretty happy. He looks like he's making really good money. He's an executive at this company. And then fast forward seven years later, you're a partner at the company. Yeah, I, I think that was a, it's very important. I think you're, you're hitting nail on the head as far as, you know, I, I do see guys, even guys here, you know, I, I talk to guys right now and, uh, you know, a month ago or so I had a conversation with a sales guy. He's been doing it in like six months and, you know, he sees, you know, the success that I've had. And I'm like, dude, I've been grinding for nine years, bro. <laughs> okay. Like, come on. Like you got it. You've been in eight months. Like, come on. Um, but, uh, you know, he, um, but yeah, I think it's important because during those seven years, I was able to, uh, you know, learn a lot about running an effective job. Um, I was able to learn a lot about working as a team player. I was able to follow instructions from my uh, my authority figures. I was able to, um, uh, you know, work with all kinds of different customers, you know, learn it all with as far as customer service goes. Um, I was also able to um, learn sort of the ins and outs of a roofing business, you know, and, and really... Um, really kind of get, uh, get in the weeds with, with it before I actually, you know, launched my own. And, and so, um, so yeah, I think, uh, I think one of the key things that I did there though, that I'd I'd really encourage people to do is like building sales teams. So, you know, I, I've probably built, um, and, and disassembled, uh, like three sales teams over the years. Um, you know, I would build up guys to, you know, three, four guys sales team. And then like, then they would all like leave and then have to do it again and they'd leave and they do it again. <laughs> so I've done that like probably like three or four cycles of that. And, um, and that has taught me a, an enormous amount about, you know, uh, retention, uh, sales person's retention and how to, um, you know, h- how to keep guys and how to let them go too, because I um, have had to let go of a fair share. 
And, um, you know, and, and it's always hard to do that. But, um, but yeah, I think that probably is a key takeaway because if you have a sales uh, force, you could really, um, that's, that's uh, necessary. Um, you, you can't do this without one, you know, um, if you're going to be the sales force, cool, you, um, you know, but I would encourage guys to get out of being your sales force as quickly as possible if uh, scaling your business is important to you. Yeah, that's so good. And I, I like what you, you know, you, what you highlighted, there was issues with people. One of the things we talk about in our roofing CEO groups is having the right people in the right seat. Um, and who are the right people? They're people who align with your core values. They're people that you don't have, you don't have a conflict when it comes to what you hold as most important to you as the owner of the company. But then do you have the right? So question one, do you have the right people? And then question two, are they in the right seat? Do they get it? Do they, do they want it, the role they've been given? And do they have the capacity to do it? Yeah. And um, I mean, there's so much that go, goes along with sustaining, but what, what mm-hmm. would you say is a key takeaway from what you learned after running sales teams? How do you keep people long-term? Well, it's extremely challenging to <laughs> start there. I mean, there's not, it's not easy. Um, I know one of the reasons I didn't launch my business for seven years is because I knew how hard it was going to be. You know, I knew it. And like, I wasn't really too excited about walking into that sort of like jungle, you know? Um, and, and so I, um, I, uh, I, I really took my time and I think um, I've learned over the years uh, how important having the right people in the right seats is. And I mess it up all the time. I mean, I, I, right now I kind of have it right, but I think um, you definitely, um, I think uh, you just have to learn by trial and error. And I, I think I'm very stubborn. I'm very hard headed, unfortunately. And so I will put someone in the wrong seat and then like have to get sort of burned by that. And then I'll learn not to do that again, you know, but I do think there's a little part of me that's always kind of like, um, you know, I had a guy recently had to let go and he was in the wrong seat. Clearly he was in the wrong seat and I let it go for too long. You know Um, I I just kind of like looked at it more like the needs of the business. We really needed him there, you know Um, and I was just hoping to make it temporary and then like a month turn into two months or into three months to the point to where it's like, this guy's clearly in the wrong seat got mistakes left and right. Like we need to, you know, get him out of that seat. And so, um, you know, it, it turned out he had more deeper issues than we even knew. He had sort of a, a, you know, a drinking problem and that kind of thing. So we ended up uh, having to let him go, unfortunately, but, um, after giving him chance after chance after chance, but yeah. unfortunately that's what you got to go through sometimes in this business before it's we kind of learn. And man, I bet you there's so many listeners out there who like know what I'm talking about. It's heartbreaking sometimes when you have somebody in the wrong seat or you haven't given them the right tools or, you know, you've kind of um, things just aren't working out and you have to let them go. It really sucks. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's so true. And we, one of the things we take people through is everybody in the company has a score. Mm. Um, and so you grade basically your staff based on who they are. Uh, you grade them on their score of how they align with your core values or not. We also, you grade them on the score of, of what you've give them, given them to do their role and at the tasks that they accomplish. And we have a three strike rule. Mm-hmm. I ask you to do something. You don't do it. We, we have our meeting weekly meeting next month's meet or next week's meeting. You say, Oh, I didn't get around to it. Oh, these things happen okay, we have a little discussion. Let's make sure we're clear on what we want you to do. Next week, we talk about it. Oh, I didn't get it again. Okay, this is two out of three strikes. We're just to be clear. We want to talk to you about it again. Do you have all the resources you need? Are you clear? Expectations should all be crystal clear. Three strikes and you're out. Yeah. 
And that's yeah, it. That's good. And some that's people good. just need that. I mean, Absolutely. but I bet after you let that person go, I bet that almost relieves some of their stress because if they're not in the right seat and they're, they don't have the capacity to do something really well, well, that's stressful on that person too. But it's also stressful on the people they work with because the people mm-hmm. they work with are waiting on them to get stuff done or do things well. So it's stressful for everybody when you have somebody in the wrong seat. So as hard, it is. As, hard as it is, it's healthier for the culture. You're absolutely right. And I think having people aligned with the core values is extremely important, you know, and that, that kind of happens, I think, in the interview process, you can sort of learn that. And I've definitely hired people where I kind of like had a feeling that they were not aligned and, but I needed someone for that position so much that I just kind of like had to ignore it. And, and then it ends up not working out, you know, and I've done that, made that mistake, you know, over and over, unfortunately. And so I think, um, you know, I'm growing and maturing as a leader. And I think, uh, you know, it's important for business owners and leaders to give, give themselves a break. You know, you're doing the best you can. I know I'm doing the best I can. And, um, you know, and, and you're going to make mistakes. You're going to screw things up and like give yourself a little room to, to you know, give yourself a break. Oh, man. So true. I had a mentor uh, years ago that said one time, look, man. You're doing better than you think you are. Just try to bat 300, okay? Just try to bat 300. That's what major yeah. league ball players do, and they get paid really well. Just try to bat 300. And I thought, you know what? That is so good. Yeah, that's really good. I was just reading a, an article about Michael Jordan and how he missed – yesterday, actually, how he missed like um, – 30,000 shots or something crazy like that, you know, and, and he still like made it into the hall of fame and he's still Michael Jordan, but you know, he lost like 26 games because he missed the final shot or something like that. And, you know, but he's the final, the end is like, do you know why I have succeeded is because I have failed so much, you know, it's, it's, yeah, I love that, man. We could do a whole podcast episode on that, how to fail forward. Well, let's let's Definitely. let's switch gears here and kind of talk about something you guys have done to differentiate yourselves because you are mm-hmm. in a very competitive market. One of the things that I learned from you is you have a kind of a unique approach to company branding and setting yourselves apart. So let's talk about that a little bit. What have you done to set yourself, your company, to set it apart as far as company culture and branding goes? Yeah, um, you know, it's it's uh, what I approach is a bit controversial in the roofing industry, I think, because uh, we do offer everyone a lifetime workmanship warranty. Um, That's part of our brand. You know, Um, if you go with us, you will never have to worry about your roof again. And I like to kid around with people, with our customers and stuff, and even our reps kind of kid around and they say, if the owner's still alive, we're going to fix it if the roof leaks, you know, and um, and so that's kind of the basic idea of that workmanship warranty is that, you know, we'll fix it if it leaks, you know, and, and if it leaks, it's probably our fault anyways. And I had this realization that like, I've, I've, I've never charged anyone because a roof leaked and we had to go fix it that we had done. And I'm not going to start, you know, so like just because I'm in a new company. So I was like, you know, why don't you just do a lifetime workmanship warranty? We just like peg it to the workmanship, to the, uh, the, the, the manufacturer's warranty, the, the length of time, um, because people always ask, what does that mean, lifetime? And that's when they say, well, if the owner's alive, you'll have a warranty. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think that's one of them. And then uh, the other thing is we, we partnered with uh, Malarkey Roofing Products. So okay. we only exclusively install Malarkey roofing products. So that's um, that's something that helps our brand, I think, quite a bit because in in a competitive market like ours, um, Malarkey actually has a reputation among insurance uh, companies and insurance agents, insurance adjusters, to be the top rated um, roof. You know, so like if we're ever 
in, in a com, uh, in a competitive situation and um, the customer understands the quality that malarkey brings to the table um, and the other our competitor is like not a malarkey company then um, we can usually win that win that job there so um, so I think that's a huge thing is to partner up with a company that you believe in that you trust. Um, so our company is like exclusively installs impact resistant, like nothing else, like you're, that we have no, nothing but it. So it's either malarkey class Vista class three or malarkey class four. So that's just kind of how we are. And we're the only company in the Colorado, potentially the whole country <laughs> that installs exclusively impact resistant. Um, you know, in Colorado, it matters because we get so much hail, you know, but in, in Texas, it matters, I'm sure, because you get so much hail. Um, a lot of places doesn't matter at all. You know, California, who cares about that, you know, but, um, but uh, you know, here it definitely matters and it's helped um, dist- uh, differentiate us, you know, quite a bit. Um, I think though, like, honestly, man, those are, those are really important, but I think, what really kind of gets us is people, we do have core values established and they're like, we talk about them on a regular basis. They're on our walls and we go in to talk to like an insurance agent or a customer. We, we talk about the core values and we, and when they ask us, why are you different? We say, well, you know, one thing is like uh, on our core values, you know, one of them is the word love. Like the word love is in our core values and like no other roofing company has the word love in their core values. You know, it's a little corny, but, um, but it, it, it's important because love is that we respect each other and we treat each other like family. You know, that's the idea of that core value. So, um, so, you know, uh, we, I think that's, those are a few things that really kind of make us different. Man. I love that. I mean, I love the idea of the, the lifetime workmanship warranty too, because I mean, how many, somebody may say, oh, you should be charging 500 bucks to go up there or whatever. It's like, how many more jobs do you get by going out there, doing a repair for free? And then the guy goes to his neighbor or the lady goes to her neighbor and says, hey, I got to tell you, you know, we didn't really see the total value in it, but we went with this company. They said lifetime workmanship warranty. They just repaired a few shingles and charged us nothing. You need to give them a call. I mean, that's like incredible. I kind of want to take that and go to my business partner and say, Hey, we need to do that at rain tight general contracting. I love that idea. Yeah. Thanks, man. I mean, I, I love it too. And, and it, and it, um, it really, it does make a difference because when we're competing and someone says, well, what's your warranty? You know, we say, Hey, you know what? Great question. I'm glad you asked that because warranties are extremely important. That's Shut good up. stuff. Let them talk. You know, they're, well, yeah, I know they're very important, but they're all just a scam, this and that. And we're like, good point. Good point. Let them go on about it. And then we kind of hone in and look, we just kind of decided a long time ago that if this roof ever leaks and it's our fault, you're fixing it ever. And if the owner's still alive, he's going to fix it himself if he has to. (laughs) And then like, they just kind of laugh and they're like, that's really cool. You know? And then we just kind of, you know, tell them a little bit more about it's a lifetime workmanship warranty and it's pegged to the manufacturer's length of time. So the manufacturer, as long as they, they have a warranty there, which they will for the rest of their life. Um, then we will uh, we will go ahead and honor that. That's good stuff, man. And well, we do talk fix about- stuff too, man. Like, uh, well, I mean, like if there's someone missing a couple shingles, then that's just an easy marketing thing for me. I mean, if we see, we'll just go up and tell them, hey, you're missing a couple shingles. We can go look to see if there's hail. If there's not, we'll fix them for you. Don't worry about it. And I can't tell you, we've gotten referrals that way. We've gotten re- reviews that way. We've gotten people just like telling us how happy they are with us that way. And it's not a big deal for us to replace a few shingles, you know, whatever. That's good stuff. 
Well, so you guys are clearly differentiating yourself. And like you said, your core values, including the word love and stuff. I mean, that's just, that's just so good. Um, what are you doing as far as marketing? Because it sounds like what you're doing is you're giving a great customer experience once you have the customer and they're definitely going to, you're giving a remarkable experience that they're going to remark about. They're going to tell their friends about. What are you doing to get the customers? What are you doing that's unique with online marketing and, and branding? I know you mentioned paying a company to do it versus bringing it in-house. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that. And so, um, you know, I think... Um, I think, uh, you know, I have to give Randy Brothers, he's a friend of mine and a, a colleague and a, a mentor, really, in, in many ways. And, and he's kind of like a long time ago, uh, said on one of his like shows, hire a business development manager, like as soon as possible, <laughs> you know, as soon as you have the payroll for it. And so um, uh, I was my business development manager for many years. And I went out and developed business just to insurance agents, just straight up, I'd walk right into their office cold and say, hey, um, you know, we'd like to help you through roofing services. And and they would always kind of say, uh, well, we have got people for that already. We'd say, hey, no problem. I just, here's our, here's my card. If we can ever, you know, help you, we're happy to do it. And then buy, you know, just no hard sell or anything like that. And then, um, and then uh, what's, what ended up happening, there's one in particular, man, that like um, one of the roofers he was working with just totally dropped the ball big time. I mean, big time, dude. Like the roof was clearly leaking. It wasn't necessarily his fault. It was a bad swamp cooler, you know? So he, the customer was upset. And then like, you know, the guy ended up just stopped call, returning phone calls and didn't care anymore. And the insurance agent reached out to me and I was like, this is my chance. And I just went over to that house. We did a full on repair, like new chim, new uh, swamp cooler, like flashing kit, new legs, new roofing, new wood, like the whole nine yards, ice and water. You know, we went all out on this thing, probably cost us like 1500 bucks, you know, to do that. And, um, and I was like, Hey, problem solved. And they're like, what do you mean? What do we, you know? And uh, we fixed it for free. We didn't charge him a dime for that, you know? And I got some, I got some slack from the owners at my company too. They're like, what do you know? You're going to charge da, 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 da. And I'm just like, no, no, this is an Asian. I've been trying to work on this guy for like a year or two. And uh, they finally, so after that, uh, that was, um, he got a, we got a hailstorm literally in that dude's neighborhood in his like insurance agent's office neighborhood. And my phone went out of control, dude. Like, I mean, I just could not believe how, impactful that was you know and um that agent is a, a good friend of mine to this day I, i've done his whole family i've done everything wow. you know yeah he's like we're like friends you know at this point and um we talk about dog training and everything and we go to lunch and i talk to him on a regular basis he has an issue he just like calls me you know we're like really tight so um so you know that that's i do that with multiple people so that's what's kept the lights on, um, you know, this year, because we haven't had much hail in Denver. Um, but man, uh, digital marketing is a whole other beast. And I'm all about that, too. Um, uh, Google has also been really good to us. We've kept, kept the lights on this year with no hail because of Google. And we, uh, we, we are a Google um, local services like company. And then we also do uh, Google pay, uh, pay-per-click ads. And we run ads on a regular basis, very targeted, highly targeted ads. And so between the Google ads and the Google local services, um, we have our SEO game is pretty weak, but we're kind of developing that between those two things, man, um, without any hail, we've been able to, um, not really succeed as much as we wanted to, but we're keeping the lights on, we're eating, we're making money. We're having a good time still doing this job. Um, but it's just, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's just so important to have that digital game, um, 
I think one thing you were talking about was like bringing it in-house or working external. And I've worked with external freelancers and external agencies over the years, and I haven't had great experiences, unfortunately. So like part of what we did with COVID was we, we brought it all in in-house and we hired in-house videographer. We hired in-house web designer who also does our, our Google ad campaigns. And, um, and that has made, um, that has made a huge difference, man. But, um, but that's, that's because we basically used all the money we made last year and invested into this, this new internal marketing program. So, I mean, I think sometimes it's hard to do that for, for people and including for me back, you know, before this and, um, and I think it's important to still have your digital um, people that you can work with and trust. You know, it's very important. No, it, it you know, it's, it, it is. And I, in my former life, I was VP of operations for a large digital marketing company. And one of the things I realized is we, we had a lot of ad managers. We had over 300 customers on recurring, um, you know, online marketing campaigns like Google pay-per-click campaigns and stuff. So we were constantly training new account managers and one of the things I realized was we had a training process and a lot of the content just came from Google. Google has an endless amount of training videos. Yeah. And so what I realized was anybody can learn how to do this. Mm-hmm. You just need to find somebody to that's, that's wants to do it, that they're, they get excited about it. And then the training between Google, what Google offers and what's on YouTube, anybody can learn how to do this. And man, if you get, the right ad, ad <clears throat> combined with the right landing page, and you have what they call message match. Mm-hmm. Um, you can knock it out of the park with some pay per click ads. Yeah, you're absolutely right, man. And I, you know, one thing I have learned though by taking everything internal is how vast digital marketing really is. You know, that's one thing I I think you're right. Hundred percent, people can learn it, and especially pay per click. Um, however, um, you know, like. Uh, digital, um, building out your, your Google analytics and then building out and using it in combination with like your, uh, you know, an effective landing page campaign and then building in, 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 a, um, in compa- making it compatible with your SEO campaign and then just building out your SEO altogether. SEO is vast, you know, um, and then also doing that with all your social media platforms and like, you know, building all of that out. And then on top of that is building out your email campaign because I believe in email campaigns enormously. That's how we've also been able to keep the lights on is by like having good email uh, campaigns. Actually, not even good, bad ones. I pretty much have bad ones right now, but they're working. <laughs> so like even with a bad email campaign, you can actually still make pretty good money. So uh, I'm just excited about like dialing our email campaign in the next like 90 days pretty much. And so... Um, so yeah, I think I think you can learn it, but I think it's also important to just like, you know, um, have some patience. And if and if you're not ready for that, then at least work with someone that like you can trust and who's actually doing it. You know, because I've worked with with I, and I I just had bad luck. I feel like I just kept working with guys who just were not getting it done. You know, just you know managing my PPC campaigns and just like absolutely no results. And I'd give them a month, you know, and, and they would just tell me it's my website is the problem, you know, and they want to redo my website now and hit me up for more money, you know, or um, just telling me that my SEO is too off and I'm going to need to do SEO for six months with no results, you know, and that's kind of hard and it's going to be 1500 a month for that, you know, and it's just kind of like, um, I just kind of was hearing that same tune over and over and then once the COVID hit and people were out of work, I was able to hire people at a reduced rate pretty much, you know, and, and at least give someone a job who, um, who got let go from because of COVID, you know? 
Yeah, there you go. I mean, I, and I can tell you, it is, it's a ton of information. And, you know, we, the company I was with, we franchised our business model out. So if you mm. wanted to own your own little local digital marketing company, you could buy like the Denver market, for example, and then you got all your training, your materials, your whole, the whole team that would carry out the work. And you basically act, play the role of a sales rep. Mm-hmm. And um, I got SEO certified. There, there is no official SEO certification, but there is there's a few SEO training schools. So we found the best one we could find, and I got mm-hmm. SEO certified, and then I got Google certified, and then um, just looking over the processes. But what I found is that SEO is critical because Google scans web pages just like a speed reader would scan a book. So it's it's yeah. critical to know what Google's looking for. But the other thing I found is digital marketing is really like the wild west. Yes, 100%. And if you don't know the business and you don't know what you're getting, man, it's real easy to just buy snake oil. And it it's so frustrating to me. So, um, yeah, if you ever want to talk about that offline, we can. But uh, but, but well, um, um, it's, it's unfortunate. My, my feeling right now, um, Dylan, is that in order to run not only a successful roofing business, but almost any business post-COVID, you have to be a good digital marketer. Yep. I mean, I don't think there's any way around it at this point. So like, I think it's important because for your listeners to, to understand that because, you know, you're a business owner, you got all this stuff going on. You know, that's how I am. I've got, you know, employees and jobs and subs and all this cash flow and all this crazy stuff to deal with. Now I got to be a digital marketer on top of that. Like, no, I want to just like write a check and you do it, you know? And it's not, it's, that's a bad idea, you know? So like, and I've already experienced that because that's kind of my approach is just, Hey, just, I'll write a check. You do the SEO, but it got to the point where people are asking me for 1500 months to produce a result for six months with no results. And I'm like, okay, that just doesn't make sense. <laughs> so, um, so then that's when I kind of started, had to really get educated and start really, um, you know, uh, you know, watching YouTube videos about SEO, watching YouTube videos about digital marketing, reading as much as I could about it, asking a lot of questions to the freelancers, to the agencies. And now I, I asked the employees and now with the, with me bringing it in house, man, I'll walk right in. I'll sit right next to our web designer working while she's working on some ads and she'll explain to me exactly what's going on. And I can, and I can, uh, you know, in a way that I understand. And now it's like, now I can actually offer some and say, Hey, what if we did this? What if we did that? I mean, I am a subject matter expert as far as like, you know, roofing goes, but I'm not, I don't know anything about digital marketing, but if I can tell her about like, Hey, uh, these keywords could be good. This keyword could be good. Or let's try this. Let's try that. And she's like, that's a good idea. Let's, you know, let's do that. And then we'll just start, you know, working our way and, and delivering these ads and, and, um, I think that that has been very helpful to us and it's been effective. It's actually working. Thank God. Well, you have control because I can tell you, I don't care what digital marketing agency you're working with. Mm -hmm. Let me just dispel the myth right now. You are not their number one priority. You know what their number one priority is getting more customers. Okay. And so you've got some account manager and they may have been in training for six weeks or six months, or they may have been there a year. Who knows? And you get about, an hour to two hours a month of their time. And they're going to go into your Google AdWords account. They're going to look at your quality score of your ads. They're going to look at your click-through rate, your cost per click. They want to make sure a few of these key metrics are going the way they should go. And that's it, man. The campaign's on autopilot. So in your situation, you can actually go in and say, oh, okay. And she's going to say, okay, well, let me look in the keyword planner and see what the search volume is for that phrase, Armando. You, Mm -hmm. You said leak repair. 
that's actually mentioned 2000 times a month or whatever, or she should be able to come back and say, you know what, that's actually only searched in Google about 20 times a month. Mm -hmm. But if you're not, if you don't have that in house and you don't have that urgency as an owner to make sure it's working really well, you're not Mm going to be asking those kinds of questions. And so I think, I, if I, you're, I think there are freelancers who will answer and even agencies who will take the time if they're like customer centric, you know, um, I think you, as an owner, you can ask questions and you can get more involved with it. Um, I think they are out there. I have faith. Sure. <laughs> I just didn't find them and I didn't have time to mess around, you know, so the, that's they're out there. It's just it's hard once they get big, like we had hundreds of customers. And so mm-hmm. it was on me as a local owner of a, I owned a franchise. I, I bought the Dallas market. Oh, wow. And it was on me to mm-hmm. communicate that stuff to the customer. But I put the pressure on the guys back at the mother, you know, the, where the mothership was that are managing the account saying, Hey man, like, how's this account going? It's, we've been in here for two weeks. They're not getting enough of you know, what's going on. And I put a lot of pressure on those guys. Yeah. And then I'd go back and communicate because I'm like, I don't want to lose this customer. This is my customer. Yeah. Um, well, I think so. another piece to that too, man, is like the whole conversion, the conversion, because it's one thing to get the leads, but then the other piece is conversion, you know, and that's something I really kind of learned really, you know, uh, more in depth as we brought it in house was how important that is, you know, and like once we generate a lead, awesome, but now we've got to like focus on keeping that lead, you know, so then we have to bring an automated email through our CRM to like, we capture the lead. Now let's send them an email. Hey, we're going to go busy you soon. You know, thank you so much for calling, you know, and then we have to also, um, uh, you know, we develop these videos for uh, for our sales reps who once we, uh, they can email that client and say, hey, we're, you know, uh, this is, um, you know, I'm Egan and this is my, um, if you want to get to know me, watch this one minute video. And it kind of gives them a nice video about Egan's story, you know, and so. Um, oh, that that's cool. Conversion. Yeah, yeah, man, it's really cool. Um, and it helps with conversion quite a bit. And then like we have our, um, you know, I just think, uh, you know, the people got to think about like, you know, even when you get that phone call, you got the lead. Awesome. But like, is it being answered by a live person or is it being answered by your voicemail? <laughs> Cause they're being answered by your voicemail that leads in the garbage. Say bye, you know? So, you know, it's, um, I think it's important when, when guys are kind of like thinking about digital marketing is like definitely generating the lead piece, but then the conversion piece is a whole nother animal, you know? That's it. Definitely. It sure is, man. Well, we could, we could keep talking about that as well too, how to improve conversion rates and, all that, but it sounds like what you've learned is to bring it in-house, to have people that are passionate about it, to do it. You, you're you also educating yourself as a business owner. Well, look, we all know a lot of the guys that are running these roofing, general contracting, construction companies didn't go into this saying, I want to be be educated about marketing. So what are some resources or what's a way that you've been able to get equipped as an owner to bring your marketing in-house? Yeah, I think it's important to to learn as an owner to learn when you have to learn something, figure out the fastest way to learn it, you know? Um, and so for me, I, I just YouTube, man. I mean, I, I mean, I kind of had a huge epiphany because I hired a videographer um, earlier this year and he was like, he went to film school and I was like, you know, talking to him one day and we traveled and stuff. And he was, we were talking about film school. And he's like, man, to be honest, Armando, I feel like I could, I'd wasted a lot of money at film school and I could have learned it all on YouTube literally just on YouTube. I was like, really? He's like, yeah. Like, dude, are you serious about that? He's like, I'm dead serious, man. Like whenever I need to learn something, I just go to YouTube. And I was like, wow. And so, um, I started doing that more often this year. And, and like, I mean, I'm talking, I'd 
probably watch too much YouTube basically. <laughs> um, you know, I, from the morning I get up to when I go to sleep, I'm pretty much watching YouTube, um, learning stuff, you know, just random stuff. I don't watch garbage though. Like I'm learning about digital marketing. I'm learning about conversion rates. I'm learning about SEO. I'm learning about, uh, sales strategies I'm learning about business ownership. I'm, I'm learning, I'm watching interviews from like, you know, uh, leaders in industries and what they're doing, you know, um, listening to podcasts, you know, uh, that kind of thing. I, I, pretty much always um like consuming that educational content as much as i can when i'm when i'm you know not grinding at the you know at the office with my team and stuff so um, i honestly think that's the best way to go but i i don't know there's other ways too like um definitely working with consultants yeah so like we talked a little about that like peer groups man like that's super important because like with the whole thing with learning from Randy brother's show, you know, or his, that one, that one show I listened to, he was just like, Hey, first thing you got to do is hire a business development guy. I never forgot that. That was like two years ago, you know? So we finally hired him, you know, like four months ago and now he's a business development guy on salary. And I was just with him today at his insurance agent's office. And, you know, he can pick up the slack where I was not able to get to the insurance agents as much as I wanted to. And he was able to do that for me, you know? So, um, that's been, uh, you know, I think, I think one of the fastest way to learn something is definitely get into a peer group and just start asking a lot of questions. Like if you have to be the annoying one, cool, be the annoying one, just who cares? Like get the answers that you need and get them as quickly as possible so that you can keep your, your ship sailing forward. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's so good. Be a learner, leave your ego at the door. I mean, we are all here to learn. We all have a lot to learn no matter what. And um, that's something we even talk about actually in the first meeting of every one of our CEO groups when we kind of kind of cast the vision for the group. And there's people in the group, some of them are doing five million a year in revenue and some of mm. them are doing over forty million a year in revenue. Wow. That's but I really still cool. but well, I still say though, you know, it really doesn't matter what your top line revenue is or if you've been in this business 30 years, there are gaps in your character, your leadership, mm-hmm. your strategy, your culture. There are gaps. There are weak points. Okay. And so we're all going to learn from one another. And when I was taking jujitsu, I took jujitsu for a while at one of the best schools in Dallas run by Carlos Machado. He's a ninth degree black belt. Wow. He's a cousin of Hoist Gracie. And a lot of people know the Gracie name. A lot of people don't realize the Machado and the Machados and the Gracies are the ones that made Brazilian jujitsu really popular in the U.S. Mm. So anyway, every day when you walked in the door, every evening, rather, a few nights a week, there's a big banner hanging over the entryway that said, leave your ego at the door. Mm. And the reason they said that is because it wouldn't matter if you were a brown belt or a purple belt or something, you could have some new guy that was just like a little extra skilled for some reason, go in there and they've only been doing it for six months and they're submitting you and choking you out on the mat. And you look bad. I mean, you look... You've been doing this four years. What's the deal? This new dude just like totally choked you out in front of everybody. And that's the whole deal. It's like we all have stuff to learn from one another. And, uh, you know, I know that's something that Ryan Groth with Sales Transformation Group talks about a lot, too. He works with people who are learners and growth minded. Mm-hmm. And um, I just love that. As long as we're all learners and we're growth minded, we're going to we're going to do well. We have a lot to learn from one another. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I uh, am in his group as well with Ryan Groth's group. So like, uh, you know, um, yeah, I'm, I'm always seeking knowledge, man, and definitely putting my ego, checking my ego at the door. It's tough sometimes, though, because, um, you know, even now, like I'm, I've hired a, you know, a, a 23 year old web designer, and she's like teaching me stuff, you know, it's definitely humbling, you know, because I'm, I'm 42, you know, and I'm learning from this 23 year old, you know, and it's just, um, I'm, I'm trying to get used to that, because I don't think I, I got to 
like that's that's at the stage of life I'm in. I'm going to be learning from younger people at this point. You know? <laughs> so I, I do that's have a lot funny. to offer. I do have a lot to, to offer someone uh, coming up for sure, especially a salesperson. But um, but when it comes to subject matter that I'm not necessarily you know um, expert in, then I want I, I need to be able to be humble enough to just listen to somebody you know and and learn and and, and absorb it all. So let me ask you this: you you've been in this business for a minute uh, and you you've got your own company. And so what's the key takeaway from this stuff, all the stuff you've talked about as far as differentiating yourself and bringing your marketing in-house? What's one key takeaway that you would want our listeners to distill from all that? And if they forget everything you said, you want them to get this one thing. You know, yeah, I'm glad you asked that. You know, right now what's been on my mind lately is just, it's been very challenging with COVID. It's been very challenging with not having a hailstorm in the Denver area. Um, you know, I have this like team here and, and, you know, it's, it gets uh, challenging with just like cash flow management, man. Like I got to pay these people regularly, you know, and I've had to like cut some hours here and there. And I've had to, um, you know, we, we kind of hired this web designer and like, she's still learning and stuff. And that's been challenging. And the video guy, everyone's, some people here are fairly new. Some are not so new. And, you know, sometimes I just feel like I'm kind of burned out. You know, I just feel like, man, I don't even want to go to work today. Um, you know, and so, uh, you know, that even happened this week. I was just like, I don't even feel like going, going to work. It's just so hard, you know? And, but I think what, and what I did, I just kind of gave myself a break that morning. I didn't like, you know, I usually am up by, you know, six, six thirty or so. And I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like ready to go, you know, to work by, you know, 8am after I have coffee, breakfast, talk to my family and stuff. I just gave myself a break that morning, dude, you know, just give yourself a dang break. It's so hard right now. And, um, I think, uh, I gave myself a break that morning, had a little longer time. I was, I was, I was about ready to cancel everything and I didn't go to work. And I was like, no, cause like my, I was supposed to work with our business development guy that day. And I was like, no, I know he's going to want, he's, he's waiting for me and he wants to work with me. And I just, you know, I gave myself a little bit extra morning, had a little more time, kind of relax, drink a couple cups of coffee, just watch some YouTube, fun stuff, stupid stuff, you know? And then I went, I was like, okay, once I'm done, I'm going to, once I jump in the shower, I'm back on, you know? And just giving myself even like that extra hour that morning. And when I was feeling kind of burned out and then like jump in the shower and like getting cleaned up, getting ready. And then once I was in my car, I was like, boom, back on and like just grinding hard, you know, feeling really good. And, um, you know, I think it's important for when you're right now, especially when things are so hard um, with COVID and whatnot, to just like give yourself a little break, you know, take that away and, um, and start to kind of, you know, focus in on what's super important, which is our family and our loved ones, man, you know, and, um, and then like, uh, you know, and then, and then take a step forward and keep working really hard, keep grinding it, you know. That's good. Yeah. I mean, you, you've got to pace yourself. You've got to pace yourself. We've all got to pace ourselves. That's hard, though, when you're running a company. It's hard to pace yourself. It's hard to take some downtime. You know, next thing you know, you're just running off adrenaline. But um, yeah. that's, that's going to happen. That's going to happen. I love that you said that. And the thing that I, the thing I like about you is strength that I see in you is you are authentic and you're open. And a lot of leaders are not, you know, they're hard to get to know. But that's mm-hmm. such an asset for you and your own leadership, your own personal journey, but it's also such an asset for the people who work with you um, because they don't have to wonder where you're coming from or wonder what it's going to be like to continue to work with you. And that's just such an asset that I see. And I know you mentioned like stubbornness or whatever, but you're, you seem to be very self-aware of where your strengths and your weaknesses are. And so yeah, I think thanks. that's a key too. Like you knew, man, I'm, I'm just, I'm not in the mood. I'm not feeling it. I kind of want to just hit the lead on my whole day. Let me just stop and slow down. 
And that, that takes some self-awareness as well. So I, I think a big key takeaway from that is, um, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian. And, and one of the things that the Bible says is examine yourself and also examine what you believe. Yeah. So that there Absolutely. needs to, you don't want to over-examine yourself because then you're just going to, you know, over-analysis leads to paralysis. But mm-hmm. you need to think through, how am I feeling? What what am I doing? And what am I saying today? And also, mm-hmm. what am I believing? What what am I allowing the thoughts that are coming into my head? So I love that. That's a great point. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you. And I, I tell our guys all the time, you guys, like, I am still learning as a leader, like, give me a break, man. Like, I don't have it all figured out, you know? And, um, and it's just, they, they all just kind of like chuckle and stuff. But I think that's part of my, my own style is just like, hey, like, I, I just, I don't have this figured out. Like, I'm working at hard as a leader. And I'm doing everything I can. And, and hopefully, you know, one day, I'll actually live up to my own standards, you know? <laughs> that's good. That's good stuff, man. Well, uh, man, we could go into so much, but before we bring this to a close, just for the sake of your time, I want to ask you to let people know how they can learn more and get plugged into your platform because you've got a podcast, you've got a YouTube channel and all that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think, uh, yeah, check out, check me out on YouTube, Armando J. Cox. Um, just, it's just my name. Um, you know, and then I have, um, my company has a YouTube too, Foothills Roofing Exteriors, and we have some really good content on there. Actually, you're welcome to copy it, steal it, whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, I think the Armand, the Foothills channel is what we use just for kind of, kind of customers looking for roofing services. And then the Armando channel is where I get a little more creative, a little more fun, a little more edgy. And we're, we're just kind of like doing like a web series type thing where people can just kind of it mixes entertainment and education. Uh, you know, we try to have some fun doing all of that. And so, um, so yeah, check me out on, on that and friend request me, send me a friend request for sure on Facebook and you can join the podcast. Uh, the podcast is called roofing it. Um, you can join a podcast group as well. I've got that going on. So yeah, I am uh, on the internet quite a bit. So yeah, definitely can find me. And uh, I think the best thing is just find me on Facebook and send me a friend request. Awesome. Well, thanks for being accessible and thank you for opening up about how you guys do some things and differentiate yourselves and, and, and opening up about your leadership as well. We really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you, Dylan. I appreciate you having me. All right. Great interview with Armando Jaycox. I love how they have love in their core values. I mean, who doesn't want to be a part of a company where they truly care about you? I love how they do their warranty. And I mean, it's working. Like he said, it is totally working. And it's really neat how they took their marketing in-house. So guys, I hope you got a lot out of that. If you did, please share with your friends, other owners, and um, staff people at other roofing general contracting companies. Help us to get the word out. And if it's been beneficial to you, please take 90 seconds to rate and review the podcast. Just go to ratethispodcast.com slash roofingmastery. It's a huge way to say thank you to us and help us get the word out. Just go to ratethispodcast.com slash roofingmastery. All right, guys, this is Dylan McCabe with the Roofing Mastery Podcast, and I will catch you in the next episode. Hey.